Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for the stream. Uh, if you subscribed on iTunes, you're doing it right. If you want, you can head over to your laughable app and subscribe to the podcast over there. Or wherever you get your podcast from. I don't keep tabs on you people. You can do whatever the hell you want. Uh, YouTube is a fun way to actually get this podcast. Because you get in video form. You get to watch me. And sometimes I look good. And sometimes I look like a homeless person. So yeah, head over to YouTube.com slash Comedy. And you'll get this. You'll get this just thing, which is you know the most hated name in news. And you'll also get a brand new show called Fill My Hole. It's an investigative show where Phil goes in and he kind of investigates holes left behind by other journalists. It's a good time. Uh, you probably heard by now, uh, me and Mike Ward are going to be on compoundmedia.com weekly. We've got a show there, four to six Fridays. It's called Mike Ward and Pantelis, two drink minimum. And we're just going to be shooting the shit every week. It'll be fun. We'll bring in guests. And you got to head over to Compound Media to get that. It's only available on Compound Media. Uh, so you get us, you get the Artie Lang and Anthony Cumia show. Um, you get Bill Schultz Morning Show. Aaron Berg is on there. It's a really, really good time. It's a fun network to be part of. Uh, if you're going to pay for something monthly, if you're going to subscribe for 9 bucks, this is one of the things that's worth subscribing to. But enough about that. Back to the free stuff. Pantelis Podcast. I brought Darren Henwood in this week. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We just couldn't get uh, our schedules right for the longest time. But now finally he's in. You get to hear about how he started comedy, what he's up to now, and a bunch of fun stuff we bring up. So enjoy this episode with Darren Henwood. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, and PantelisComedy.com. It's the Pantelis Podcast. Uh, then a lot of the podcast rooms I've been in, most podcast rooms I've been in are like someone's bedroom. And uh, and yeah, this is the first studio I think I've been in a podcast. And it's super well lit. Like you've got like the ceiling tiles and like the lighting you had in... I don't know if like what your uh, school was like, but this is the kind of lighting. Yeah, this, this is the kind of lighting I had in school actually. Uh, normally, when I do some other stuff here, sometimes I put there's two extra lights that I have. When you do yeah. some other stuff, like, yeah, like there uh, you put in, like red light bulbs and red uh, light bulbs. When I when I film window. adult films, nice, I do that. But no, yeah, it's pretty well. I mean, I prefer recording in the day because of the sunlight. I like getting the natural yeah. sunlight in; it feels much better. But you're a tough, you're a tough guy to get a hold of. Yeah, well. Uh, I guess yeah. I don't. Yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, well, I saw you last night at the show. That was fun. Um, just to be honest, like I have a day job, and it takes up too much time. It's hard to make enough money to not have a day job, and I'm also really good at my day job. So that kind of like is another reason to. You uh, like doing it? Yeah, because it's, it's like like I do training. So I'm up there in front of people all the time. So I'm given like many children. I've got like an audience all the time. Uh, even though it's not like comedic material that I'm training people on. Uh, like I still use it as a way to uh, just sort of like be up there and, uh, and and not test out bits necessarily. But hone but like, your skills of public speaking. Well, it's, 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 it's ad-libbing. It's like crowd work, all that type of stuff. 
because you're you're teaching different things every day you're dealing with a different different group of people sometimes and then things will come up and and i like to make training sessions funny as funny as possible just because it makes it easy for everybody else everyone is everyone else is having fun if if they're like not just sitting there being beat to death with information over the head if you can make it funny and interesting then they tend to respond better so i look for ways to do that and because it's a different group all the time because it was different material all the time it, it helps me like just think up shit on the spot where uh, i try and make it funny which totally helps when i come to hosting a show because something will random will have happened that i'll be able to kind of call back on from like I do this five days a week and like forty hours a week, and so maybe I'm not not right, not all the time. Like sometimes you have to build the materials as well. But like when you give training, I can be training for like six hours a day. So maybe that's like uh, four hours of talking and two hours of like uh, they'll be doing other kind of work. But then that's four hours of opportunity for me to like ad lib and do some stuff. So, so you're always ho- you're always sharpening the sword, whether always, man. yeah, whether you're at a club or not. That's like just just having having the ability to to talk to people and have people like they're they're sitting in a group always they're looking at me they're sitting down i'm standing up there's all the elements there that are at the club except some uh, i'm not talking about my penis and there's uh, no microphone um but yeah like it does actually help with the muscle memory of looking over the room, trying to think of something in the moment that is going to like add a little bit of like levity to the situation. And then you just, you're able to just ramp that up of like a hundred times when you go into a club. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. And that's sort of like my day job helps impact my, uh, my evening job. And it's always been like that. I haven't always been a trainer, but I used to do retail before that. So it was retail and then comedy. I remember when you were doing retail in the day and comedy at night. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, working retail is good because you're talking to guests all the time. You're having to sell yourself. And uh, you're you're sort of like, again, you're just ad-libbing all the time. You're basically making up on the spot. Like you're talking bullshit about $400 denims and trying to explain why they're worth it. And you're trying to distract the person by by making jokes all the time. At least that's what I was doing. So, so you could sell? Yeah, well, that's just that. Like I need, I need a job where I have a captive audience. That's my... Uh, like I, I would... I would think I would still even do it if I had, if I was like a teacher and I had kids in front of me, I'd still, uh, I'd still use that as an opportunity. I'd probably probably get kicked out for swearing too much. But for the ki- did you do stand up when you were in Scotland or it's something you started when you were here? Um, I feel like I have the same conversation on every podcast I'm on. I need to, I need to do more things so we can talk about them. Uh, yes, I did. I did stand up in Scotland for about two years. You didn't move here for stand up. No, 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 okay. no. I, I, I didn't do stand up for most of my twenties. So most of my twenties, I did not do stand up at all. I did it about twenty, the age of twenty, and maybe a little bit my twenty-first year, okay, or, or, or like my twenty-second year after I was twenty-one, and then I started again when I was twenty-eight. So all of the like, I see all these kind of like younger people now who are in their their early mid twenties, and they're like finding this rich vein of comedy because they're they've they've been technically legally adults for a while, but they're beginning to become the people they're going to be for the rest of their lives, right in their twenties. So I see them having all of these unique thoughts. I'm like, man, I missed I missed like six of my golden, like thought provoking, like joke crafting years by <laughs> just not doing it. But like it was just. I did it when I, was, I started when I was too young, ran out of things to say, uh, because I'd lived I lived basically in the one l- large city in Scotland after moving out of like a, a smaller town, 
I hadn't lived anywhere else. I hadn't done anything else. I hadn't been anywhere else. I hadn't been in a meaningful long-term relationship. I hadn't done any of the sort of milestones that you kind of want to... Like, my parents were still together. What the fuck is that, What are you going to talk about? Right? So, my parents are still together even to this day. So, it's like, it's so, like, I was so annoyingly privileged that I found it hard to... I didn't have the struggle. So, I didn't have to... I didn't have anything to talk about. So, I, I, I stopped. And there was one show that made me stop as well. Um, on one particular occasion, I uh, was doing comedy, and in the front row, I was really, I was really new. Imagine like you're like eighteen months in or something like this. I was doing a lot of comedy at the time. Uh, me and a friend of mine had started to run a bunch of independent shows, so uh, we were doing uh, about four or five shows a week, um, organizing them, sometimes hosting and sometimes uh, performing, but always like booking. We even had like a mobile PA system that we had to take and taxi from show to show sometimes. It's a pain in the ass to organize that stuff. Yeah, and this is this is like the 90s as well. There was no Facebook. We were advertising in the new, newspaper. Uh, we're advertising the free local paper. We're advertising on, uh, do you know what teletext is? Are you old enough to know what teletext is? What is teletext? Is? Oh man, is this sort of like Microsoft DOS level... Um, there's like a chat room it, it was done through your TV and provided through your television and you had this thing called CFAX or Teletext where you push a button and then you would be able to access pages of information that were uploaded to oh. by like the you could go to a sports page and find out the sports scores of the day but it's like I'm talking like Microsoft DOS like level like primitive primitive yeah, yeah, updates yeah. on the okay and there was an entertainment section and if you sent your right information off uh, you had to phone in and leave a voicemail on this thing and then someone would like transcribe that onto the the teletext thing so this is like pre-internet so if you wanted to kind of like look up what was happening maybe in your local area you'd have to find the entertainment page scroll through one page at a time until you hit like Glasgow or whatever and then scroll through the dates until you found today's date and then you'd see like a, just a chronological list of the the five or six things that people had been bothered to call in for that day so we used to advertise on that as well anyway um yeah, did so you find? Did you? I'm just curious. Was there a return on that? Were a lot of people on that? Because what else are you gonna do if there's no internet? It see, it seems primitive to us, but if that's all they have, I feel like some people would see it and be like, "Oh, it's on Teletext. Let's go watch this show." Yeah, uh, the the free paper was always a good one. Like uh, the Metro newspaper. You, you still have the Metro newspaper just mm. now, obviously, but like we advertised in that and uh, flyering. Flyering. Yeah. yeah, yeah, flyering and word of mouth and uh, that type of thing. But yeah, could you? Uh, I don't know if you, you can imagine like doing an event without making a Facebook event or something like that. Like there was there was no there's no mass social media. Like you were you were physically calling people on the telephone to tell them, hey, I have a show. If you guys want to come, like going not quite through your Rolodex, but I had an address book, people's numbers and stuff. It was. Uh, it I was, c- can't even imagine right now creating an event. Not having social media and expecting people to show up. Yeah, yeah. Even with flyers, even I put flyers. There's so much happening. It's like a one percent return rate on flyers, right? Yeah. So you have to hand out so many flyers. We would, we would like walk around the town and put them on people's windshields underneath, like one of the windshield wipers. And, and one out of fifty people that wouldn't throw it immediately. Oh, might look yeah, at we, it. we'd also get people that call and complain, like you left your fucking flyer on my car, and like the die ran, and now I've got a mark on my windshield because it rained all the time in Scotland, right? So like, oh. you just get all these wet flyers stuck to people's windshields, and it would just be like paper pulp mess all over the place um so that's how we used to advertise but i did this one show uh, there was a, there was one uh, kind of main comedy club in glasgow called the stand it's still there i've, I've I played it like a few years ago it's awesome um 
if you ever go to Glasgow, I don't know whoever's listening here. If you ever go to Glasgow, go and check it out. Like I went the uh, stand. Yeah, the Stand Comedy Club. It's been there for years. It's like a local like landmark. I went there about five years ago. I just kind of after I restarted just to do a, like a Monday night uh, open mic, and it's kind of like um, absolute in Ottawa, whereby Monday night open mic, hundred and twenty people guaranteed. Oh wow! And it's like they are a raucous crowd scottish yeah of course so uh <laughs> it was it was i was i was playing this club i was getting like a few weekend gigs kind of like when you start breaking into the club here you know you would get like five minutes at the beginning yeah little guest spots but paid like i was getting paid for it so i was kind of i was doing okay i guess and then one night i walked out on stage and uh, sitting right in the front row was um a guy called Irvin welsh now if you don't know who Irvin welsh is he's the guy that wrote the book train spotting Oh, which yeah. was then made into a very uh, popular movie. Yeah. And now this is this is in about the year two, th- maybe nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. So Trainspotting was in, in cinemas like three years ago. It was like, and this is, you have to remember, like, it seems weird because it wasn't all that long ago, but it was kind of like a different lifetime ago. Movies weren't coming out all the time. The there wasn't like this huge big cycle of movies that were just coming out all the time, and then people's attention span was a little bit longer. So three years ago in the cinema, trains there were still people still gave a shit about the uh, about train spotting because we had this uh, Braveheart and train spotting summer like back to back. Both those movies just put Scotland boom smack in the middle of everybody's. Uh, That's true. Uh, yeah, like we got put back in the map and over this kind of like twelve month span. I mean, I walked, I walked out on stage and he's sitting in the front row and he's, he's, he's like a kind of small, like just average looking Scottish dude. He's just kind of minding his own business, but I recognized him straight away and I just froze, completely froze. No, yeah, you yeah. got and starstruck. Yeah, now, now, now you think about, you, you've seen me on stage now, like, right. and I, I don't freeze. Like, I just, no, no, I, I, that's why it's funny to me. I can't see that happening. Yeah. Like I've, 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 I've had too much experience of of dealing with whomever now whereby i would i would make a joke about it rather than uh, rather than no but at that point i, I could see people yelling or throwing stuff at you and you still don't freeze like that i could that i, I can't imagine you yeah of freezing course on stage. no man it, but like then i was i was not experienced in dealing I, w- I wasn't doing crowd work at all in my in my act like i wasn't that type of comic yet um so i just i i honestly i think i tried to tell one joke about oscar the grouch from sesame street um, and then I think I probably, I probably told a joke about a pedophile or something like this. Like, like just the worst. I couldn't. I can't even remember. I just the was segue just didn't make any sense. You just throw stuff out there, clutching at just dumb shit that was in my brain because I forgot my my set entirely. And I think I did about three and a half minutes and just walked off and oh. didn't do comedy again for about eight years. So that's why you stopped. I was already thinking about stopping. But that was just the straw that broke the camel's back, and it was just like I, I couldn't show my face back in the club again. And, and it, everyone has a bad game. Yeah, everyone has a, it many. Was, it was really the it was really the sort of like just that that one thing to kind of send me over the edge. So you know, like like uh, like like you're you're standing on the ledge and you get a phone call from your ex girlfriend to say that she definitely did cheat on you. You're like, oh fuck, yeah. that's okay. I'm gonna go over anyway, so that's fine. So, uh, so I'm just. Uh, didn't think about doing comedy again. Like I think I maybe tried once or twice, like a year later, and didn't really. Uh, I, I I thought it was done. I thought it was one going to be one of these things whereby, uh, when I'm much older, I will look back and be able to tell friends, kids, loved ones, whoever I did comedy at this time in my life, and it was fun and and whatever. Then I come to Montreal, and literally my first week here. Um, when I moved here, I moved with a working holiday visa. So I wasn't like a permanent resident, like I'm. Uh, what is a working right holiday visa? 
most countries have an agreement with one another whereby if you're the ages of let's say 20 and 30 they'll give you like a one-year visa to go and work and explore these other okay. countries i mean with within reason it's not like i don't think you can go to like saudi arabia and do that type of thing i think you do anything there um but like a lot like most european countries have it like the commonwealth, uh, commonwealth countries, countries and that type of thing for sure um so yeah, I had one of those, and one of like it was done through like a an agency type uh, thing originally, and one of they had like an orientation day when you arrived, so they could like explain a little bit about, about Montreal, what to expect, where to go, where not to go, that type of thing, and they had a bunch of. Th- uh, posters and things on the wall of events in montreal and i saw a comedy night it was at the comedy nest actually and i decided to just go because i thought this is this is it kind of like resonated with me it's something i was had familiarity with from one point in my life so i'm just gonna go and check that out and there was a guy there uh, that night called owen booth who uh is currently back in london he was like an english comic that lived in montreal for a while did you ever meet owen booth no uh, he was he was a writer um, and wrote um, a bunch of stuff uh, for for TV, but also decided he wanted to do comedy. He's actually got like a really crazy uh, like uh, brain disease whereby his pituitary kept on producing a whole bunch of stuff, and his hands and his feet kept on getting bigger, and he had what? to go to the doctor, and he, had, he has like a, this massive brain operation to go through, I think. And, and he has like massive hands. Uh, yeah, well, he, he has he has much uh, like kind of chubbier rounded hands than than needs to be for a man of his size he's kind of like a normal sized man with uh like really weirdly thick fingers and like thick feet and like he's got bigger lips and just stuff like this that you just don't it just looked a little bit odd so then he thought this does look a little bit odd i feel like my hands and my feet keep on growing so he went to check it out and, and interesting uh they found out that his pituitary was kept on like nothing was sh- had shut it down since he was a teenager so he kept on like having all these weird things in his body still growing anyway besides oh the wow point, hi owen booth if oh. you're uh if, if, if you're Hope it's okay though yeah i guess they stopped it right they figured out what to do um, it, it, this is a whole other conversation. It's a yeah. whole other podcast. I'm you so should, curious now. You talk to him about I'm his. So, yeah, injury. I want to. I'm so curious. Um, the last I heard that they were he he had had like a whole bunch of massive uh, like brain scans and stuff, and there was only one thing that they could try and do, and it was like super dangerous. Uh, it'd gone too far to this point, and I haven't heard what was the the outcome of that. I mean, I know he's still uh, with us, but that's uh, good. Yeah, but, so I met him. Mm-hmm. And being from the UK, we kind of bonded, even though he's English and I'm Scottish. God damn it. <laughs> um, we managed to sort of like head it off. And I, like just I was looking for new friends because uh, I moved here and, and only really knew my, my fiance at that time. And I met her friends, but they were all kind of French. I wanted some of my own friends and English people. Um, so then he took me to a couple more comedy shows and we went to uh, Too Much. So I don't know if you ever remember. I don't know if you were. You probably weren't doing comedy back then. But there was a night uh, when I moved here called Too Much, and it was George Braithwaite. Um, I know him. In his apartment was hosted a weekly uh, loft show. Okay. Bring your own booze, uh, weed friendly. Um, every Friday night, so not like like every month, like you see the ones now that are popping up. Every Friday night, people would pile into this apartment and consistent. They do a comedy show, and it was like f- packed every week. Interesting. Um. And Morgan O'Shea was the host. And every time you went, there was like always Chris Doggo was there every single week. Bruno Lee was there every single week. Uh, Paul Bully was there. But then you would see like you would see your David Prides, Mike Patterson's. Like I saw everybody at this cool like art loft show. 
uh, not art loft show, but like an arty loft. Because yeah, yeah. the guy was an artist. The guy that lived in there was an artist. So there was like pictures everywhere. Paintings. Yeah, yeah. So it was like an art gallery that also had a had a comedy show in it. Um, so he, Owen, Owen took me there and I, I just kind of got the bug again. I just kind of like, I saw people up on stage, like open micers be like, that's I could not do very good. <laughs> that's the same joke. There's five people in a row have just told the same joke, different words. I could, I could tell jokes again. And sure enough, like three weeks later, I went to Dollarama, bought myself a, like a little fake moleskin notebook, bunch of pens, sitting in there because I had no job or anything at this point. I didn't know French. I had loads of time in my hands, so I just wandered around the parks of Montreal and like springtime and observing. Yeah, just getting my bearings in my new environment and like all of this. The fact that I was 28 now and I was just about to get married. I'd already lived in uh, a few places all over the UK. I'd have a, had a bunch of different jobs, so. When I started to write jokes again, I'm like, fuck, this is so much easier than when I was 19. Because the things that I'm talking about are resonating with younger people, but also people in that sort of like 35, 40 era. They, they Making life decisions, changing stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit more relatable across the board. And I was able to make some of that type of stuff. I was still 28 and a little bit dumb. So I was still writing some jokes about like superheroes and Spider-Man and shit like that. But like I was also writing... Um, jokes about getting married and, and that type of stuff so yeah that's uh, if that was the first question this is going to be a long podcast what was that about fucking 20 minutes it took me good to it was question. yeah but it was good though because I didn't there's a lot I didn't know mm. and I also always assumed that you'd end up in Toronto I thought you'd get fed up with the French and leave there well I speak French now well I used to speak better French um, no like I made the decision not to go why, why don't you go Toronto yeah honestly I I don't care enough to go down there. Like, I don't like the people talk about the scene there and all that. Yeah. I mean, I have what I need here now. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens the next year. But there's nothing for me there right now. Yeah. I don't act. Well, I mean, I, I figured just, I figured just, uh, that was the same for me. I went and, uh, I've, I've told that story a couple of times, but like I went and, and, and tried it. Like I gave up my job and I gave up my uh, apartment and I went there only for like for a few weeks just to kind of scout out the city and be like okay obviously I knew a whole bunch of people that had moved there I was like I'm gonna go check it out see what's what and then I've got no commitments left in Montreal I'm gonna go but then when I was there I sat and had a conversation with uh, another comedian Ali Hassan who you probably know yeah and then uh, he was just in town a couple of weeks ago actually and he said to me virtually what you just said about yourself he's just like what, what do you have in Montreal? And I listed all the things, the gigs that I was doing and the, 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 the projects I'd been working on. Like I had my ZooFest kind of show running every year and all these yeah. types of things that I was kind of like committed to and, and, and happy doing. He's like, yeah, none of that exists here. Like it exists, but not for you. There you go. Yeah. Um, he's like, maybe you in five years or maybe you in three years if you like work really hard and network, but like none of the rest of it. Plus... You're going to be like, where do you live and who do you live with? And I told him I used to live on my own. And he's like, how much is your rent? I'm like, my rent was about like six, six seventy five. Not in Toronto, it isn't. He's just like, that's your, that's your transport budget in yeah. Toronto. is like $600 a month. I'm like, come on. He's like, yeah. And, and it's not as if you can come here and get like a great job that's going to get you the enough rent equivalent because that's a day job, which you'll have a nine to five commitment, which means you won't be able to do all the gigs that you want to do. And like you can't go to Kingston, you can't yeah, go here. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what keeps me in Montreal just now. Is like I've always had the fucking day job, but it uh, just it just painted this picture of Toronto to be uh, 
like like everyone else paints it as the carrot and he painted it as the stick. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. Like like he he, he peeled it. like is when people th- go to Vegas and they like they have the Vegas experience. If they stay drunk the whole time, they have a great Vegas experience. If they sober up for just a and second and they see everything and see everything and like see how grimy and tacky and cheap yeah. everything is, it was kind of like that. He pulled the veil off of like what this Toronto experience for a comic was going to be. Facade. Yeah. And just let me see the dirty kind of insides of it. And I was just like, yeah, no, no, thanks. No, it's like, like if someone explained to you what's in a chicken nugget and then, oh, you then you won't eat a bunch it. of chicken nuggets, you're just like, no, I'm not. I mean, I don't eat meat anyway, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, so he, he gave me the, he gave me the packaging of the hot dog and then put the hot dog in front of me and said, do you want to eat it? And I was like, nah. So I stayed in Montreal. Best decision I ever made so far. Um, not because it's super advanced my comedy career, not at all. But in terms of how happy life. I am and, yeah. and, and what I'm able to do with the rest of my life. And I'm still I'm still able to do enough in comedy. Like you say, I have enough here. Like I do I do the shows I want to do. Well you're also here you're a staple here. Here we know like on the scene, you're yeah. you're part of the Montreal scene. Yeah. You're part of the fucking scenery here, you know? Whereas in Toronto I'm a nobody. Yeah, we're well, it's the same thing with me, right? When I, I noticed it, it was way before people started moving to Toronto. I noticed it the first time I went to Los Angeles. I, the desperation, I was telling people this. Yeah. The, the one way I could describe it in, in the comic club, except for the guys that knew what they were doing and they were there with, with an idea. But a lot of the open micers, I could feel the desperation. And also you feel it in Hollywood when you're in around there, you're going to the restaurants, you're seeing people. And I, and I was with a buddy of mine. And I even asked, I go, watch this. I go, I guarantee you the waitress is either trying to be a musician or an actress. She came by, she's talking, go, hey, let me ask you, what do you really do apart from being a waitress? She's like, oh, I'm an actress. And I go, do you see? It's everywhere. Everybody comes here with a dream, but everybody comes here. And they all have the same idea of I'm going to make it. You could be the most talented person, right? But then there might also be another eight really talented people that came with you, or another hundred or a thousand, depending on the city. So when I was there and I saw the desperation, I saw people not really doing much because they're scrambling, they're in their hometown, they don't know the same people, they got to start from the bottom. And I was like, you know what? I don't think going somewhere without having something set up for you is worth it. Yeah. If there's something lined up, a writing gig, uh, some, then it makes sense to go, you're making money. But if you're going to go and start fresh, when you're coming from a scene that already <coughs> loves you, like you have a good, you have work, you have something to do. I find it a little crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some people that can make it work just because they're like, they're the super talented people that are going to make it work anywhere. Mm-hmm. Or or they're like, there's some people that just have the hustle. Do you know what I mean? They just, they're willing to sacrifice everything to go and, and, and pursue that dream. And I think you, if you watch like interviews with people, um, like a lot of like people who have really succeeded in whatever they do, they're those people, like they're the ones who are just like, they be got told no a hundred times and that will put off 99.9% of yeah. the people. And they didn't care that they got told no a hundred, 200 times. They just kept on plugging away until that one time they got that one break. And because they were just so used to hustling, it's they, just, they just need that crack. They just need a tiny little bit of ray of sunlight in the darkness. And then they're just going to, they're going to burst through whatever tiny hole that they have. But then there's the people that are, I'll put myself in this category. I don't know what about you, but there's the people that are, um, like you say, they have it quite good where they are. And it's like, maybe if I was 10 years younger, maybe if I hadn't missed that big chunk of my 20s yeah. and I, I was like uh, 26 as opposed to 36, I'd be happy to kind of be like, you know what? I don't mind living with three other guys in a shoebox apartment, like taking turns to empty out the rat traps and talking about how like shittier open mic was while smoking one marble light between four people because that's how we can afford that yeah. day. That might be okay. 
that could have been okay 10 years ago for not now i've yeah, worked too hard to yeah like i like eating sushi on a tuesday night if that's what i want to do i like going to the cinema when there's a, a movie out that i want to see the cinema and not having to wait for the the cheapy tuesdays, the cheapy tuesdays yeah. i like going on like a fucking sunday matinee yeah. and being like i can afford 13 dollars for a movie and the 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 picture that i was painted of when i went to toronto was there's money here but you have to dedicate yourself to that there's no money in comedy and if you want to get good you have to dedicate yourself to that so it's like like you said if you don't have something set up where you have a regular gig where you're going to be earning money that allows you to do what you want to do it's like what, what like what am i getting out of that i'm not going to be able to do as much comedy because i want to have a life that, that supports the thing the other things that i like to do aka going to a restaurant or, or like buying the nba package and watching that on tv every year like all these things you have to give up just to potentially make it and then the truth of the matter is i'm just not good enough well uh <laughs> well no i wouldn't say that because i've seen um i've seen people who have quote-unquote made it even in that city now who fucking uh, wouldn't be able to match up at an open mic with you and a couple of other guys in the scene here. So it's it's not true. A lot have, of it is luck. Hustle. A lot of it, but look, there's hustle. Look, I have hustle, and I you do have hustle. I don't know why you act like you don't have hustle. I've seen you do twelve hour shifts and then go to uh, do two sets. You know what I mean? Um, that's not, it's not true. It's not. It's a different type of hustle, though. Like, no, like, you have life hustle. You do the things that you gotta do to get things done. If living in an apartment with four other guys means the hustle, that doesn't mean the hustle. That just means you're willing to lower your standard of living. Right. Yeah, I, and I, I still put it down to the same thing, though. I think the hustle is like you're able to give up everything. Like you're, like that, I don't know if that's hustle because it depends how much things mean to you. Like me, for example, I have. Uh, I remember a time where I was doing two. Like now, I got this podcast. I have another podcast that I'm starting next month. We're gonna announce that soon. Uh, I have that show that I do on YouTube. I do stand up, fucking regular. I'm and I'm always running around. There's always stuff to do. I'm super busy. I'm hustling, but I'm not. I'm hustling because I'm getting something out of all of it, right? I'm able to reap the rewards now, finally, after all these years of getting nothing out of it, right? Yeah. Including stand-up. Um, but I'm not willing to throw everything I've built to try again as if that's hustle. I'm hustling right now. That's what I'm trying to build, you know? And then if another city, if there's a huge opportunity somewhere, I'll go if the opportunities are there, you know? I won't just sacrifice. I know friends now that they went to L.A., and I've seen two opposites. I've, I know f- comedian friends that went there with nothing, no plan, and they're still no plan nothing's happening and others that went with the plan and because they went with the plan they're, they're more successful Guido. they're getting by Guido's getting by because Guido knows what the fuck he's doing <laughs> you know what I mean but if you go with no plan and you're just hoping there's too many people out there in any city Guido, Guido's too charming to not succeed yeah he's, he's just he's a fucking son of a bitch that guy but also he was thinking about it he went you know he was like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that he can act too he's got diff- he's yeah, got yeah. a different skill set so he's one of those guys that went down there with the plan and he's living yeah. you know um, but I know a lot of people that I've met there too that I still keep in contact with that they're American. They've never been to Canada, they're just the Idaho or whatever, Chicago, and they went down there. And it's a struggle. Why? Because they're good. I know a lot of good comics, but fuck, man, it's full of good comics out there. And an do actor you, would, who's mediocre will get a spot ahead of you in, in LA. Yeah. That's what sucks too. Do you know where I would go if I wanted to if I wanted to move to the States? I wouldn't go to New York and I wouldn't go to, to LA. I'd go to Denver. Denver's a fun town, apparently. Yeah, like, there's so many good comics have come out of Denver. Like, Ben Roy's come out of Denver. Ron Funches, I think, uh, came out of Denver. There's they, they, these these guys that are, like, they're really good. They kind of made, founded the kind of new Denver comedy scene. And I keep on hearing really good things about it. And I'd love to just kind of go there. And it's, like, this, sm- kind of, in comedy terms, like a small market town. And it's way more my speed. 
I think coming from from Scotland and uh, and and moving down to one of these types of towns. But I don't think I'll ever leave Montreal now. No, never. No, I think, I think unless the, the opportunity arises. Not not even. Not even. Huh? I think my my comedic goal keep like like the 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 kind of like goals keep on shifting and if you'd asked me like th- like last year my goals were to try and get this podcast idea off the ground with in conjunction with one of the clubs here in town and it just it hasn't worked not to say that it got shot down but just there's there's a piece missing at the moment uh so i don't know like that's just kind of halted and come to a stop and then the other one was to do the one man show like get my hour get it recorded get it out which i did and then the recording yeah i remember that was was not good enough in terms of the lighting we made a really silly error with the lighting so i kind of like it was kind of like a deflating year whereby there wasn't anything that good enough that felt that that i achieved but it didn't it didn't make me as sad as i thought it would interesting do you know what i mean so like do you think so you have thicker skin now after living life well it's, it's, it's more because I know that I'm not trying to chase an unachievable um, thing that's that's so far off in the distance that I can't touch it. I think that I have more time now because the goals that I have are more um, to kind of find a way to become famous in my own localized zone. When I say famous, I just mean like like you like you you said earlier, like be a staple. Yeah. I want to be a staple for a long time. Right. So I want to kind of um, find a way where I have longevity within just Montreal. So getting more involved in community things and, and um, like I, I'll revisit probably a podcast idea or like maybe even radio, I'm not quite sure. Something like that whereby I'm, I'm able to connect with people a little bit more, but focus it much more on Montreal and not have like these lodgy goals of everyone and everyone that has a TV set or like a, an iPhone needs to have my name on there somewhere. Yeah, I don't give a shit about that. F- f- fuck that as a goal. Um, I'm more aligned of the, the the shows that I that I do. Am I having fun? Ideally, am I getting paid? Um, and are the people that I'm working with the people I want to work with? Well, I think yesterday at least I could guess and say that you're yes on all those. Oh, I know man. you got paid. I know we had a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, well, it was I mean, a good time. I, I, did t- I did two shows at the Nest this weekend. One was uh, uh, Arthur Simeon was in town, and I just did a couple of guest spots just to kind of record them for, for uh, a festival uh, audition thing. And then working with Arthur is great. Like, last time he was in town, I got to host for him. Like, we get on well. I mean, Arthur gets on well with everybody. Yeah, I think he's, he's just, like, got a, such a great energy. He's kind of, like, he, he tells stories and stuff in the green room off stage, and, and we had a bunch of fun. And he was there with uh, Wasim. Another fun who guy. Who, obviously, uh, I really enjoy working with. And uh, then on Sunday, it was you and Wasim and Joey who again and then joey and heidi were both there and i haven't seen heidi foss in such a long time and it was great working with her because her and joey were sitting in one half of the green room having a conversation and then there was like you and like paul baluya and and sarah quinn and stuff were sitting in the other half of the the green room and it was like like <laughs> i was standing in the middle just turning one way and looking generationally on one side and then the other side and thinking just in 15 years, like the people on the, my left hand side will be the ones on my right hand side so strange. having a conversation. And there'll be this new group of people that are uh, currently like six or seven years old. 
uh, who are going to be sitting in these guys' spots having a completely different conversation about fuck knows what. Probably probably the same shit. Probably, probably the same shit. Probably yeah. joke stealing and yeah, like yeah. just a bunch of stuff that the that ha- that continually happens in the comedy scene. But yeah, like like the the shows that I did on Friday and yesterday are the types of shows that I'm talking about. Like people that I really work uh, enjoy working with in a venue that I really respect and, and love, telling jokes that I was uh, that I enjoy telling, and then meeting the people afterwards and saying hi and, and everyone's having a good time and, and whatever. I want to do those shows forever rather than working through uh, 300 shitty shows where I'm just ignoring people because I don't think that I'm worth their time or they're worth my uh-huh. time trying to brown nose and bend over backwards just to get two minutes to speak to a booker so that I can potentially get on a show to showcase for them so they can potentially get me on another show that I can showcase for to get on another show. Fuck all that. Yeah. Uh, ingrain myself, like, in Montreal. Like, just keep doing what I'm doing, but maybe try and ramp up a bit every year in one way or another. Do some, Just add one little tool to the toolbox every year whatever it is, if it's an appearance on this show or if it's like being booked by this society or whatever it is, uh-uh. add one little tool to the toolbox every year and then in 20 years, I'll get called out for all types of jobs. Yeah, you got a goddamn tool tools. shed. Exactly. So that's that's the sort of way I'm looking at comedy just now. And, and like, because I've got to factor in, I'm probably going to have kids in the next kind of couple of years, which for some people, yeah, it might give me a lot of rich material, but even less time. So I'm probably, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably prioritizing life goals in front of comedy goals for the first time, maybe in about like five years. And it's, it's a good place to be in because what I find that when I'm putting less pressure on comedy, it comes a lot easier. So like, I'm not saying the, the, the shows come to you a lot easier, but comedy itself comes a lot easier because yeah. I'm not, I'm not desperate to, is, is, is this bit the bit that people are looking for right now? Like, what's the hot topic out there? I don't have to read the, I don't have to read news feeds all the time to find out what people are talking about to try and make a relevant joke about it. I'm just like, I'm going to write jokes that I enjoy to tell, and the way I tell them will hopefully uh, get people to enjoy listening to them, and that's how I'm going to get booked. I like it. I like what I'm hearing. But I have a podcast idea for you. But then, but then someone's going to come along and offer me one thing, and I'm just going to go, okay, fuck it, I'm moving to Los Angeles, I'm done. Yeah, that, you have to. <laughs> you have, if it's big, you have to. But you said you wanted to do a podcast, and you're thinking of a local club here. You know what I think would be a good idea, and uh, you'd probably be a good host um, to do a. Uh, you should talk to David about this. A comedy nest podcast. That was exactly what I pitched to, oh. and, and that's what didn't get picked up. He said no. He didn't say no. He just uh, he d- d- like the the idea being I, I, I don't know what I, I should say or shouldn't say but well, like my idea was when the like because uh, we have new comics that come in every week mm-hmm. right uh, international touring comics so get the ones that want to be on yeah and so have a podcast with so, them. so that was the exact pitch and we actually recorded a couple of pilot episodes um, me, uh, myself and my friend Scott we recorded a couple of pilots and um, even even just. It's, it's a very basic idea and like the communists weren't 100% against it. It's just that they have worked really hard on making their club like one of the top clubs in our country and probably North America Yeah. Uh, because they've, they've been very focused on, because they're both very good businessmen outside of the comedy world. So because they have a sort of idea of what they want the, their brand to be, there's like um hesitation when their brand is attached to something else i wouldn't say hesitation necessarily there's very little time for them 
to focus enough energy to make it exactly how they want it to be. True. And if they can't make it exactly how they want it to be, they'd rather just not have it in their business at the moment. I could see that. So, and it's really smart. I mean, they've already gone through more renovations this year, and there's, yeah. there's they're always adding, they're always tweaking the club a little yeah. bit. So even then, like six, I think they've been in charge for about six years now. Six years later, the club isn't finished. Do you know what I mean? So six years later, the club looks completely different. Yeah, but like, but even then, they just added a new section at the yeah, back. The VIP. <laughs> but this is just it. So like the they have enough energy to focus on what happens on a nightly basis in that club, which is why the club is so great. But things outside, and I, I'm not sort of saying it won't ever happen. It might happen. Um, and if it doesn't happen with me, it's, uh, I think it's a good idea like you. I think it should happen, period, because I think uh, there's not a lot of clubs um, in Canada, potentially, especially not in Montreal. They least, get those names. They get those names, exactly. They have a really consistently high turnover of world-class comics that come in all the time and who wouldn't want to love who wouldn't love to to hear from these people especially when just for laughs is here as well so there's the opportunity of doing just for laughs uh, editions of the podcast when you you get even even bigger kind of names that come in a lot of them are uh, doing shows at the comedy nest to warm up for other kind of galas and stuff so then you can have these other bigger names which then launch the the brand uh, itself through the fans of the comedians to be able to maybe open other venues. Obviously, they have they tried a venue in Mississauga. Anyway. Yeah, I remember. And uh, he they would have continued, he told me, in the Mississauga. Same thing. You know what's funny about what you just said? It, it, you you clearly understand them and how they think of business. Because I remember David was telling me that because it took so long and they built the brand, they're very careful with exp- It's not like willy-nilly, all right, let's just open a club here. Like, they're very careful because the name has weight now. Yeah. The name means something. When you hear Comedy Nest, you're like, oh, Comedy Nest. Yeah, it's a premier club. They don't want to make a mistake and then they get associated with something garbage, and they bring the stock down. Because right now, I don't think anybody does. I don't think no, anybody, anybody does. But I mean, the communist built. I mean, if you think of where they are now and what the communist was when I start. When I started, I still, to me, it had a big name, but not the way it is now. Now you see it. It's uh, it's like the marquee. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, and I, I mean, I think one day the the brand will kind of eventually grow and evolve into something a bit bigger. And maybe at that point they can reevaluate things, but I mean, they're the fact they're going about it slowly and, and deliberately is like you're kind of happy to like I'm happy to wait, yeah. And like I said, even if it's not me, as long as it happens, but whoever it is is gonna is gonna get the opportunity to do that podcast well rather than just something half-assed because they think it's a good idea and they kind of throw an idea out there. So uh, should be good either way. I'm I'm actually um, yeah. I'm really interested to. They're, they're doing like a VR event. I think Rodney Ramsey. Oh, Rodney, yeah, 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 yeah. The GTA. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I saw the flyers for that this weekend. I think that's an awesome idea and something. He's like Rodney's always been on top of this VR stuff. For Have years. you seen his Facebook posts where he's in the VR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like even even I remember like three, maybe even more than three years ago, he was doing those live comedy shows where you could he would record it on one of those sort of like 3D the 360 cameras cameras and you'd be able to kind of like sit in the audience and that was that was like three or four years ago and that that technology is still ahead of its time almost just now people still aren't doing it so I I really like if I was to make a bet I'd say Rodney is probably onto something quite big with what he does he is he is and I think that he's going to be some he's going to be a name Potentially through the comedy nest, if they're the ones that help him, help him sort of like find his niece to promote that. But I think he's going to be someone who uh, a lot of people are going to get to know. Real, I feel the same way. And I, I remember talking with him. We were having lunch a couple of years ago in the old port. 
and he kept pushing, you know, the 360. And now this is going to be the next big thing. And I knew, but I told him the same thing. I go, I feel like it's just a little bit ahead of its time. I don't know when the right time is going to be, like how long it's going to take for people to actually adopt it. But I knew from then, I told him, 100% is onto something because everybody's kind of regressing in their homes and they're going more into VR and these virtual worlds. Yeah. Well, comedy's on us. Everybody loves to laugh. And the people that are going to miss being at the clubs but still want to experience it from home, this is the only option. Well, right? yeah, He's I mean, doing it. He's the first one doing it. It's coming, it's coming soon. I would imagine because if you think about how many comedy specials Netflix are doing as an example mm-hmm. and how how can you consistently just put that sort of like comedy product in for it not to dilute at some point. Which I mean, it already is. It already, it already is. is. There's you, already, you've noticed. Yeah, there's there's probably too many specials now. And they, Well, they, there's people that shouldn't have, like I'll watch the specials, I'll be excited and sometimes I get confused. I was like, is this, wow, what, how did this person get a fucking special? Like, they'll come out the same month as somebody really strong. Yeah, I mean, ev- you know? everybody's working hard. And I, I think it's, it's, it's good because they're, they're allowing people who wouldn't normally have a platform to be seen. It's just that there's so many specials, like you said, coming at the same time. That it's, it's kind of hard. Other people, like some people will get lost because they, their special came out the same week That's as the true. new Bill Burr or yeah. their special came out the same week as, as Dave Chappelle, one of Dave Chappelle's, whatever. Oh, you get lost for sure. Yeah. Um, but then... So comedy specials, like you say, in people's homes, being being streamed and whatever is is what people are into. What's how's the how can you make that experience kind of a little bit more real? Put them with one of those Samsung, whatever, yeah. like uh, smartphone VR headsets. Imagine themselves in the audience. They can look around. They can see the hecklers. They can hear the hecklers. They can like they, they feel like they're in a splash zone and sitting in front of the comedians, depending on where you get the people to sit. It's it's an experience that I think that loads of people would. I mean, imagine communities that never tour your town. Yeah, you li- you live in small town, but fuck nowhere, and you have one theater, and all you have is a community theater group from two towns over that come and do uh, like fiddler on the roof every six fucking years, and then you can you can sit in your home with your smartphone and a headset on and look around, and you're like in a like a five thousand seater theater. Or like a like a big ballroom, whatever it is, and you're it feels like the comedian that you've been watching on YouTube or like whatever is ten feet in front of you. That is going to be something awesome, and I really hope he does well with that because he's been really uh, on he's that tenacious. for yeah on that for a while. Um, but these are the types of things whereby, um, like like this is the hustle that I'm talking about. Like Rodney's got hustle oh, yeah. for that type of thing. I mean, and, and his comedy, but like he's he's seen something that he knows he's good at, and he's gone to pursue it. So I yeah I I I need to find out what my VR thing is. And I always thought it was hosting and talking to people, but there's not really a much of a market for that because everybody's like 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 it's, it's not like a super in demand skill to just be affable, isn't it though? Uh, <laughs> in very small periods of time in very small rooms, then yeah. Um, so yeah, my uh, like I, I need to I need to find someone who has an idea like that and become their best friend and just piggyback off them. I need to be Maybe. like like Steve Jobs' best friend, you know. Oh, there we go. Yeah. You, or like he could be the Vosnek, you could be the face, you could be the Jobs. <laughs> he the, he knows what he's doing technically. Wait, which one's still alive? Uh, Vosnek. Yeah, I'll take I'll take yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, take that one. Yeah. Take that one. <laughs> but for, for you know what I was just thinking of right now. So 
recording and being in that VR experience is one thing. You know what else I think they're going to do? Is probably uh, get old tapes, get all the vault footage of, like, let's say, Richard Pryor specials. Holograms? Not even, because you know you normally uh, tape different angles. So you have a camera that's always on the crowd, right? So you could cut to them. So imagine now they would take it. They they can with the technology they have now. Splice it so you're VR in those old specials. You're in there, and you turn around, you can see them laughing. It'll be really interesting. It's like you're going back in time. It's, it'll be really interesting. You think they dress up a bunch of uh, actors to play the people and they do like a fake... Oh, that would be crazier. That would be weird, but there's something to it just seeing those guys, the guys that we're, we're never going to get a chance to see. They're either dead or you know they're way not past touring. their prime. They're not touring. And actually be there. I think there's a market for that too. And I think Rodney's one of those guys, especially here, that he's tapped into the whole VR thing. And he's so early that he's going to be the only option in the beginning, which is perfect for him. That's right where he needs to be. And then hopefully he becomes the main option. Yeah. Right? Because he loves this stuff. He's Yeah, he's, he's super, like, all the stuff he does online where he's, like, his little avatar and shit like that. Like, he's even got his poster. And he's holding little, it in. The, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah like, I was watching. It's like, so how the fuck does that even work? Like, I can't, my mind is, I'm so dumb when it comes to technology. Like, I've always got at least an iPhone that's two or three behind the current iPhone. So when I see shit like that, I'm always so impressed. And Rodney, he's an amazing comedian. He could be a terrible comedian doing that, and I'd still want to see what he's doing yeah. because I find it so interesting what you're able to do. Thankfully, he's not. Thankfully, he's also like super funny. He's my mother's favorite comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. Wait, your mother knows you're a comedian? My though? mother knows I'm a comedian. She had come to a show that I had done at Campus Cafe years ago, and I got Rodney to host. And she's like, that's a good comedian. <laughs> and since then, she asked. She's like, eh, what were you doing? I was like, I was doing comedy over the weekend. This, that. She's like, well, see, there was Rodney there. That's a good comedian. And sometimes <laughs> when I do, I'm like, Rodney was there. She's like, oh, then you should have told me. I would have, like, for her, <laughs> I have come in her fucking know. mind, like, that's a comedian. It's just Rodney. I was like, you know, you could compliment me sometimes. She's like, yeah, you're not like him, you know? <laughs> do your parents like your comedy, your mom? Uh, my mom. Yeah, it's, it's weird because, you know, the stuff I talk about on stage, some of it is a little... Free, so... She's never mentioned anything, but sometimes she'll say things like, hey, when you're on stage, be careful not to say anything too offensive. You know, people might kill you. Like, people are crazy out there. And I'm like, Jesus. Like, Where know. does she think we are? That's what I, I ask her, but it's because of the news, right? She's an older Greek lady. She watched a lot of the news. So she sees the extremes. That's all they show in the news. There's a stabbing here. There's this. There's extremism. So in her head, you could offend somebody and they'll shoot you. They'll, you know, that's what she thinks. Yeah, but Park X Montreal is not exactly a hotbed of, uh, of, of dangerous assault crime. or. Well, it used to be. Um, no, and it's not even in Park X because I know everybody here. It's uh, She's worried about the clubs. She thinks one day I'm going to say something. Somebody's going to snap and come after me. But I don't have, like, I don't attack the crowd. I'll say things that might get a gas from some people. Like, oh, did he? But it's never personal. Dude, you're like 6'2". And yeah. Maybe. You're like... They, what, one? they also second guess. Yeah, yeah. You're like a big guy. No one's no one's <laughs> coming at you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried. But I've never said... You know me. I don't, I, I don't attack people. I'll say some things that sometimes people will get upset about or... They'll gasp, but it's never personal. I never attack somebody in the unless a heckler and something happened. But so I don't. You're, attack so people. you're not going to do the the roast battle show? Uh, maybe other comedians. That could be fun because I grew up just roasting people. Right, that's how we grew up here. In the worst things that somebody could say to me have already been said to me. So I, I wouldn't so, mind so if, a roast if you battle. got if you got matched with me in a roast battle. It would be so much fun. What What's but the first thing you're going for? You see what the problem is with that? That's where I think I might get beat. Because yesterday I was helping uh, in. The comics, I was writing some stuff. I was telling yeah, them yeah. to s- some burns. And I'm comfortable because it wasn't me, this and that. But I think if it's my friend and I have to roast him, 
that might be how I lose. But the fr- your friend's the best. I, they're the ones I know, you know but, the most about. But because it's in public, you know, if it's private, I could rip them. Because in public, I'd feel like, oh, no, I can't. I can't put that out there. You know, I'm, then other people might use it against them. So that might be my Achilles heel. They might line me up with the wrong person, <laughs> and I won't want to go full force. See, this is what's funny about roast battles that aren't... Uh, that aren't like the kind of professional ones like the professional roast battles that we we that we see like jeff ross and all these type of people run these guys are celebrities right so their their lives are out there in public everyone has seen them on the their shitty movies that they've done or they've seen them on tmz with a coke up their nose yeah. or whatever it is that they've done so you can put on a roast battle of of like famous people famous comedians and you can televise that and it's fun and and they bring it to just for laughs and and the people that are are like diehard like comedy fans even if it's a lesser known comedian they know enough about it they'll come and see that comic they'll, they'll maybe the comic maybe has a podcast whatever it is then so what's been happening recently and it's not the first time it's happened what, what we've seen we used, there used to be a, about five years ago there was a Montreal versus Ottawa comic roast battle oh, competition and the, the, like Ottawa comics I think, or was it Toronto comics they came back like twice and, uh, and stuff and they held the catacombs that was part of the first one was it fun? yeah it was super fun um, but then I, w- I went to someone else's uh, roast there was a series of roasts that got held um, at, at the uh, oh, uh, Wiggle Room okay there was a series of roasts uh, that got held just like one-offs and these were events that the public were coming to and the roasting comedians in Montreal that have been doing comedy for like t- two years or three years. Oh, that you're just basically roasting a, a civilian. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> just it. You're just roasting a person. Another. I heard your mom died, Steve. <laughs> like, what, what are you going to tell him? But so the audience are kind of, kind of sitting there with this kind of like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure they did take drugs at the christmas party last year i don't understand what's happening who are these people we oh, don't know no. so you have to you have to kind of go physical yeah like, you look at them and then attack their appearance yeah, yeah. i don't care about that me I, I think it's funnier if you know that's what i'm saying is if you know something but in our case say if i you know something about me then it must be public like in the scene people will know and you can make fun of that yeah but if it's a guy two years in and you actually hit something you're just talking about a citizen like you're talking about his wife's drug addiction like yeah, yeah. something that sh- isn't really public you know jesus so, you, you go really hard so far your 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 two attacks have been someone's parents dying and your wife's drug addiction that's it would be it would be, be deep but I, he says the thing i can't do that bastards. i can't do that to people like let's say if it was me and you I wouldn't even I wouldn't even want to research because I'm like I can't do that and then bring that shit to light. Of course, you can, I, man. I like, can't. Like, so no, not not it's, to it's super not easy in that. No, no, I, I could do it only to people who if it was I was doing with somebody who has some fame. Yeah, but the fucking people who then other people are gonna see you in the street and they're gonna know. Like hey, I heard you, I heard you sucked a dick for a banana that time. Like something ran. Again, they don't need to again, know about these that. These aren't roasts. Have you have you watched a roast battle? <laughs> this is not how you roast someone. This is this is you doing an expose. This is you ruining people's lives. Like <laughs> do a roast battle. You talk about my the fact that I look like a fucking hipster. No, that's too easy. That's too easy. You gotta go deep. You gotta cut deep. Jesus if I'm going Christ, in, I'm going in. I don't want to be matched with you. Did you hear about uh, when did you hear, did hear Pantelis hired a <laughs> private detective so he could get some material for his roast battle against Darren? He committed suicide. I've, I've got my mum messaging me going, who's, who's this Pantelis I've been getting messages from asking about your ch- for childhood photos and if you've got your criminal record. Screen. Oh, uh, did you, uh, you did the same thing I did, right? You went to that poetry slam, the story slam, and you, you also roasted, right? <laughs> well, I think I went to like the third one or something as a judge, and I wasn't, 
I didn't know. Same. Like, I didn't roast particularly. Like, but I thought it was. I thought like you. I thought it was supposed to be comedy stories. And the guy who produces it is a comedian. He's only ever really produced comedy shows, to my knowledge. Same, uh, same, uh, yeah. To that point, there's other comedians on the stage with a microphone in their hand saying stuff, and a lot of it's, f- some of it's funny. So I've not been expressly told this is a storytelling show, not a comedy show. Even though it's called Story Slam, comedy shows have weird names all the time. Uh, I just I thought the slam was us slamming them. Yeah, I just assumed it was for us to kind of critique. The, the funny stories and how to make them funnier and like you I'm, I'm I don't mean to say that you're a mean-spirited person but like when I come to when I give when I'm I was also brought up in an environment where like you just give people shit that's yeah. it's, it's communication right yeah like I remember I took my girlfriend home uh, n- not not the girl I'm seeing now but like an ex-girlfriend I took her home to Scotland uh, about three years ago and she spent about a day and a half with just me and my parents in our family home that's all just, just the three of us and her and my girlfriend and like we were walking, uh, me and her had, had left my parents and we're walking away uh, to go to, like to the shops or something. And she turns to me and she says, can I ask you something? I'm like, what? She's like, why are you always so mean to each other? I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't understand. I'm a lo- I love my parents and they love me. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> But what I hadn't realized is that to the untrained ear, people talking to each other in Scotland is just what I assume maybe what Greeks talk to each other. Oh, like yeah. everyone's just an asshole and everyone's just a dick. Like, Well, that's how it is here. That's people think about Poseidon. They go, how, how are you letting him, they tell Poseidon, how are you letting Penelope be so mean to you? And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that you should hear. Poseidon would lie down in traffic for you. He's yeah. that type of friend. But it's also just the way we treat each other and we won't do that to people we don't like. That's what they don't understand. We won't waste time. If I yeah. don't like somebody, I won't waste time and I just won't give them time of day at all. But when it's somebody you care about, Oh, you can make him cry with this stuff. Yeah. You want to say it's a weird dynamic. So yeah, I, the I, slam. I want to hear yeah. about your. St- I went into the story <laughs> slam with that kind of like mindset whereby, like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be given a critique, but I'm also kind of gonna be a bit of a dick about it because that's. that's I thought that was the, the game. Yeah, that's that's a my personality and b how I know how to be funny, which sounds a little bit mean, but or like uninventful. But then, so yeah, I I wasn't told off because I didn't think I went too hard. But like, I think one time in between some acts, I went to the bathroom, and then the uh, like the producer alone, uh, he's just like, yeah, you don't you don't need to have to be mean. You can just you can just talk about their stories and just give them just give them some good. Yeah, that's what he said. Constructive uh, positive feedback. feedback. He told me. He told me. I think he told me constructive feedback, and I was like, oh shit. Nah. <laughs> I'm like that's a good that's a good note, but no, I'm just gonna do the thing that I came to do, and then uh, and it was fine. But then I heard from other people, uh, like a couple of days later, that the feedback was, "Oh yeah, Darren was too, Darren was too mean," Darren, and I wasn't even I wasn't even you were holding back. Oh, I, I held back a lot. I hadn't too. even turned the faucet <laughs> on. You know, the faucet was dripping with just the type of feedback that I was given. There wasn't even because like they a give you a lot of flow. fodder. Most yeah. of the guys he puts on there, like they give you some fodder. Yeah, if, if this was a ro- like a, a show to rip them apart a little bit, it would be very easy. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I think I think maybe the there was an element of uh, marketing in there where it's maybe not explained well enough to the people that are going in what the expectation is, or we're just assholes, them. or we're just assholes. That's just, or maybe like maybe we're we're compartmentalizing, like maybe deep down we know, maybe deep down, but we're we don't care. We're like, fuck <laughs> this. <laughs> deep down, we're just like. He wants me to give good feedback, but it's not about what he wants. Just somewhere it's dark corner of her brain. That's what's uh, what's happening. Like like not not purposefully going. The into comedian that, takes over. Yeah, 
I, I'm never going to forget that image of him because uh, re- this girl said like a 12-minute story. And I, I, my first thing that came out of my mouth was a roast. And then just a reaction from everybody. And I look over and I'm like, Alon, I'm supposed to roast these bitches, right? And he's like, it's not a roast. It's not a roast. Positive. I'm like, okay, but I have one more good line. <laughs> just, the comedian, I can't have one more good zinger, you know? And he's just staring. He's like, fuck, man. I told this guy it's a, it's a storytelling slam. But I thought that's what it was. You tell stories and then I slam you. No, it was completely off, but it was just his face. This is not a roast. This is not a roast. Do you find that hard? Like, so coming from, I'm, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a little bit of leap of logic and, and say that the type of communications you had with your friends growing up was similar to, to the communications I had with my friends growing up, and and that being it sort of oh, like yeah. everyone just took their turn at jibing yep. at someone else. It's like exactly. whenever you spoke, it's like you pointed out the fault of the person that last fucked uh, up. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, do you find? Especially now, especially when every word that people say is more heavily criticized, more heavily viewed, do you find that hard to hold in and 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 turn off, or is it kind of like died down a little bit now because it's been so long? That you no, I find it hard. I find it hard, and and it's the first time in my life, especially my first time uh, in comedy, where I second guess things before I say them. I'm like, ah, oh, could be taken this way, and somebody's gonna, before I didn't do that. Mm. Before I would just there, there was no filter. And now there's a bit of a filter, but it's society's put it there. It's just because they're gonna. I know people are gonna misunderstand what I'm trying to say and how I'm trying to say it. Yeah. So I want to avoid the drama that's associated with it because it still happens to What's me now. We're on Twitter, even comedians locally. I'll post something on Twitter, and they'll dissect it and they'll put their own meaning into it, what they think it means, and then they'll just go at it. It sounds like art. It's, it sounds like what? It sounds like art. Like art? Like that's what I'm doing? Well, I mean, it's, if, you yeah. go, if you go to an art gallery, you People, always, you stand there and you put your own... Yeah, but that's what they're just projecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I, I get confused because I'm like, well... You're creating art on Twitter, you know? Well, here's the thing. If you're a civilian and you don't know me... <laughs> We're both civilians. Let's if you, just... You don't know me. Okay. So and if, you if just read person. something. If you know that you don't know me, you're not in the comedy. Also, you don't have uh, the mind of a comedian. And you see something and you just take what's written or you, you understand the way you want. I kind of accept that. Because you have no context, really. You know, you're reading words and you're interpreting. Now, if you know me, like, let's say right now I go on uh, on Twitter. This is just a rough example. It's not the same thing. But I'm like, uh, you know, that crazy Scottish guy, uh, Darren Henwood. You're not going to be like, what the fuck? He thinks I'm crazy? Do you know what I mean? You're not going to take it that way because that's insane, yeah. right? But when people do, and people, comedians do sometimes in this scene, they'll write to me. It just shocks me. Like, how are you a comic? How is this possible? There's no way you can interpret it this way. You're purposely trying to make it something it's not, yeah. right? And then it's just like, fuck, is everybody like this? If comedians are acting like this, right? Which I would think they were the last bastion, like the last group of people that would be that way. Uh, then what hope is there for regular people that don't perform on stage, that don't say controversial things regularly in, in public? What hope is there of any of them catching on and, and you know, uh, normalizing um, just expression without it being an attack on someone, because yeah. you could express yourself without wanting to. Talk. I could hate, I could hate Donald Trump and not like Hillary Clinton. You know, like in fact, I don't like either of them, right? But every time I shit on one, they I, they, they have their turns. People tell me how oh, so you like the other one? Like I'll shit on Trump, like oh, you're Hillary guy. I'm like no, I hate that woman. Then I'll talk about Hillary. It's like ah, oh, you're alt right. You like Trump? It's like it doesn't have to be that way. I could hate everybody. I don't have to be in one of these groups. You know, I had a had a weird conversation. Not a weird conversation. I had a, a, a conversation with someone recently about how there's always a them and there's always an us, right? In every walk of life, you can go anywhere. There's always a them. It doesn't matter how good you have it. There's always a them and there's always an us because people want to belong to, to something. something. But 
they want to be individualized as well. And like I watched this this uh, TED talk from some uh, professor who was uh, explaining how human beings are the only people that want to belong to a collective while being individuals at the same time, which is like such a di- like dichotomy. It's like, double uh, thinkers. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's diametrically like, diametrically opposed, opposed yeah. thoughts that belong inside the same uh, sort of. So it's, we're constantly fighting with ourselves for for what we want to be able to do, and what we will t- what we will allow other people to do. So, um, I find it kind of like I I now I now I like I like going on to Facebook and and social media and Twitter and stuff and reading the arguments that people get into, and never never sort of like getting involved in them because it just reminds me of how. Not I don't want to say the word ridiculous because I don't want to undermine the people that are going through genuine struggles and are finding ways to express cha- themselves. No, 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 not just express themselves, but change people's opinion about things that really matter, right? Okay. So, um, for example, my my uh, I don't know if this is going to go. I have a family member, uh, a close family member who's a homosexual person, and they were a homosexual person in a slightly different time than than now. So they're a little bit older in their lives, and they fought through a lot of different things. But they were they were married uh, to a uh, they had a straight marriage. Obviously, first. that was a tough time. You can't really come out. Yeah, they have a, they had a straight marriage first, and they had children in the straight marriage and all that type of thing. Um, and then they only came out looking a later in life. But when they came out, they made a very big push to uh, get involved in social issues and social struggles and that type of thing so I had my eyes open to that um, way before social media kind of existed okay. so I understand that there's people that ha- have the the need to change people's viewpoints as, as to how they treat certain groups of people but there's other people who are now using that to just have their own voice heard about nothing it's like they want the light shone on them for a little bit. And, and they're willing to almost jump on any bandwagon possible. That's what I've noticed. In order for the light to be shone on them for five minutes so that they can be of one of the thems or one of the us's against another one of these them or us's. Yeah. So it could be uh, women against men. It could be black anything, black against anything. white. It could be anything right. in the moment. It's, it's, there's, there's a lot of things whereby people are happy to incite these types of arguments. But there's like watching all this, and I, I regress back to being like a, a kid back in Scotland, and it just like a part of me just wants to go. Oh, you're all just a bunch of fannies. Yeah, you're full of shit. No, no, just I just want I want it to to be in a safe place where we can call each other names, and for for the person that gets called a name, not to think that I've just shot their mother in the face, <laughs> but to be like. <laughs> You know what? You're also a fanny, and yeah. then that be it, because that's what it was. Like when we were growing up, we could say some really kind of hurt things, things just now that would be deemed hurtful. Yeah. But like you were saying about your friends, it didn't matter because you just got offended for a split second, thought something funnier to say back, and then, and then, you then rip go, on, go on with your day. But then that's the thing, and then you moved on. You know why? I think back then, back then, I don't know how kids are growing up now. I think context was more important. Because you'd get the situation where me and you, we could say anything we want. We're growing up to give to each other. If a stranger actually means it, a stranger and says something like that, then you're both like, whoa, yeah, it's my boy. I'll make fun of him, but I don't fucking know you, right? Because context is everything. In yeah. this context, it works. But when that guy comes in, that's a different context. That's an attack. People understood context. Now, it doesn't matter. They'll take the word 
they'll look it up. They'll be like, what does this word mean? Oh, that's what it means. Well, fuck this guy. This guy's a homophobe, a racist, or whatever. The context goes out the window, which is crazy because language has evolved so much, and the way we talk, and there's text messages, that context should be the most important thing. Yeah. It's not at all. Now it's taken a backseat to just the word. Yeah, it's, it's just because, like, I make jokes with my brother about uh, stuff that goes on in the world and with my sister. Um, and then the stuff that we kind of joke about is to do with this sort of situation that surrounded one or the other of them. <laughs> it was my brother. Um, but, like, we, we joke about his situation because we're, we feel comfortable about it. But I know that, like, I joke about it with his friends. I joke about it with, with other... Like, I have other family members that I joke about. But I can't with. come in... And start ripping him. It'll be weird. It'll be who the fuck is this guy? Because that's completely out of context. Out of left, he'll be like, "Look at this fucking fan here." It's weird. Yeah, you yeah. know that's the context though. But now, if it's just a word, you can't do it either. He's supposed to be offended when you do it, which is not the case. He's got the right to choose or feel at least when he's going to be offended. But it's like they're trying to take that away. You know, they're trying to take that away from you, where you don't get the choice. There's no, no, no. You said this. This means this. We're done. You're on a split screen with CNN, and you got to explain yourself. So no, no, I just don't say anything. But it sucks, though. No, I mean, I, 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 I do. I mean, I, I say stuff, but like, it's like when I say I don't say anything. Like, I, I personally don't go online and 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 interact with any comment that I could. I think this may get some so, heat. So, this yeah. may get heat, so I never interact with it. But even then, I don't want to kind of like use like like I, f- I almost feel in a way that I can't call people out on stuff. In case that's the wrong move too. That's the thing. I've been tempted to call certain people out, but then I go, I think that's going to be the wrong move too. That's yeah. going to lead to, oh, he's just bullying him. Look at Pantel's dude. It's like, fuck, I just stay. And sometimes now, you know, I used to have to always reply for some reason. I used to always have to. Now, I'll just ignore it. Something is so stupid. Be like, you know what? They're baiting me into it. Yeah, that's just, that's just it. Like, like it's, it's, it's almost become like, I see people with conversations with people that I'm friends with and it's like, this is clickbait. Yeah. Like my, my friends are now creating BuzzFeed articles yeah. with their own commentary. And I kind of like, this person says something that I really don't agree with. I really want to comment on it. But I'm like, as soon as you press send, you're in it. And I've never, I've never pressed it. I've never pressed send on anything. I've managed to always drop. I'm just waiting for the one day that like I have my hand over the button and I just press and go, okay, let's just fuck. Let's just let's go. Just go. It's going to just open the door and I'm going to be the, I don't know. I don't even know who's a, who's a particularly bad troll on Twitter, but, uh, or, or on, on, on for social media. But like, I'm, 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 I'm so, I'm fighting with myself all the time. My 14 year old, boy self that wants to just have the conversation where everybody can make fun of each other and none of it matters because yeah. we're t- it's just stupid words that you're typing into a computer but obviously words are very hurtful and I understand that people can be cyber bullied and that whole type of thing but I mean amongst um, even amongst my friends I have people that I call uh, th- th- I think this is the worry I have people that I call friends mm-hmm. people that I will hang out with uh, uh, go to comedy shows with would do things with that would for one misconstruing uh, uh, thing that happened on social media if I said the wrong thing or, or commented the wrong way in a particular situation friendship over yeah done. I have people like that too done that they'll just, just just done like there is no going back never mind anything good you've ever done in your life it's a case of everything stops you, the judgment is cast on this one thing that is done and that's it forever 
that's the way I feel that like this it's such a knife edge that you can't comment or you're you're running the risk of a subsect of the people that you would call friends turning their backs on you after being in a situation where like I've been forgiven for a bunch of dumb shit that you've done because everyone realizes that they're going to have their own turn to do some dumb shit oh, and yeah. they'll need forgiven at some point yep. because that's just the way that people are nobody's perfect uh, but now it's a case of I don't need to forgive you because I've got other friends so now it's a case of, okay, well, if you don't forgive me, then then what? And it's not a case of I won't forgive you. I'm not going to forgive you. And I'm going to tell everybody else yep. that you know on social media what you did, how you did, and why you did it. It's, it's a weird... Without you having a platform for you to... Defend uh, yourself. Defend yourself. So now it's a case of, okay, well, obviously the the, the combat to this is just be a good person, lead a clean life, which is, which is great. But nobody's perfect. I had a con- oh, I'll tell you after who it is, uh, unless you guess it. So I had a comedian come up to me at a show that I hadn't seen in a while. I was happy to see him. You know, we we're talking. And he was noticeably giving me a look, right? And I was like, hey, is everything okay, right? And he was very, he was upset with me. He's like, you have friends that use X word, which is a right-wing word. Okay, this this word. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, uh, you had share- I had shared a post on Facebook. And then, you know, people start commenting. So after the first two comments, now I've learned. I don't get involved. I just leave it. Let them do their yeah. thing. I'm not going to get it, you know. So he apparently had a heated argument with somebody on my Facebook. And that guy used a word that is uh, tied to the right right now. So he got offended. He's like, you have people on your face that use that. So I told him, dude, I have over a thousand people. You know, when you do comedy, people just add yeah, you. Yeah. Over a thousand people. I don't monitor them. And that, what does that have to do with me? If you're telling me that somebody told you something that offended you. And I'm the one to blame. You're the one who fucking commented on, and he commented. That's between you guys. That's your argument. How can you be mad at me? Because it was on my wall. So if you get a newspaper from a from a corner store and it has bad news in it, you're gonna blame the store owner because you got the newspaper there. That's just absurd. So I was just looking at him. I go, Are you joking right now? Like, what does that have to do with me? Did I comment? Did I tell you anything? He's like, No. Did I comment and back him up or anything like that? He's like, No. Look, exactly. That's what I do. I don't care anymore. I post something that I think is interesting or people should see. You guys can fight if you want. I'm done. I'm done doing that. One Taking my, sides. One of my favorite things uh, to see on like a social media site is someone who will get up on their sort of soapbox and tell the world how I have unfriended this many people today because of X, oh, Y, and Z. I've never reason. done that. And it's like, number one, who cares? Yeah. Number two, um, I mean good for you but like the 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 point is what you're doing is ultimately you're alienating everybody who doesn't have the exact same viewpoint as you which you're is crazy yourself with people who think like you who have the exact same viewpoints as you but you will probably um quite happily turn around and lament that behavior in another person if they don't share exactly the same viewpoints as you and you'll call them small-minded and dumb yeah so i'm not saying you should Everyone should just be friends with people that use hate speech. That's 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 a silly statement to make, but there's like there's a difference between hate speech and saying something contrary to what you believe. <coughs> I could have a different opinion than you do on any subject. It does not mean that I'm hating on you, that I'm attacking you in it. You know what I mean? I love the fact that people is the Greek mentality, I guess. You have to have a debate. That's how you move forward. You're gonna say something, I'm gonna say something else, I'm gonna go, oh, wait a second. Why does he think this, right? We talk about it, we debate on it, and then at the end of it, we both come out with something new. We're like, oh, fuck, I didn't see it that way. And that's how you progress, you move forward. Now we're at a place where, oh, you think something different? Well, here's the wall. Yeah. You're blocked. I don't want to hear it. But that's, that's insane. How do you move forward? You need to come through a debate, and then you see that both sides. There's always some right, some, you know what I mean? Or at least you get to see why somebody could, somebody could think something completely wrong. 
okay? Like say in terms of racism. So somebody could think the most vile thing about a certain race of people, right? And you could A, just block them out, be like, you go there, you grow your own thing. Or try to rationalize with them on how ridiculous that is or try, you know, try to win them over or get their sense of, okay, yeah, you experienced this, but let me tell you, that's not how it really is, right? And you, But if you just block them out, alienate them, get them more angry, get them, and then they get other people riled up, you're not helping the situation. You Through debate and through you know just communication, that's how we move forward, just like a relationship. If you don't communicate and you both start building your own ideas and then you hate each other for stuff the other one didn't do, you're not moving forward. You've got to communicate. <laughs> do you communicate with your girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. She I, Greek? No, no. She's a uh, Tunisian. Tunisian? Yeah. Are those Are those fiery people? Yeah, she's a fiery person, uh, and actually she just did that Ancestry.com um, DNA thing because she was very What's curious. The, what she got in there? This is hilarious because she's Tunisian, right? North African, but not true. She's 25% North African. She's 30% Italian-Greek, you know, Southern European, which is hilarious, and then 30% uh, Middle Eastern. Um, but it was just funny to me to be like, you see, you're more Greek than you're <laughs> Tunisian. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's a fiery uh, character. But have, she's Have you ever done that? The, the ancestry? Yeah. No, my cousin, my first cousin did it. Um, so I thought I got all I needed to know from him. Um, it's like this weird thing almost, this is Greece and it's just on there, right? But uh, I want to do it myself just to see, you know, maybe from my father's side, something's different. He's from my mom's side. So I'm going to do it soon too out of curiosity. But I also feel there's a chance this is all bullshit. I feel like, you know what I want to do? I want to send, but it's expensive, but I want to send two of them with two different names right? Never my real one, never a Greek name, like a Japanese name and like a really, really white name and see if the results are, if I get drastically fucking different results, the Japanese name gives me some kind of Asia stuff. I know they're fucking with me. Yeah. Like, did you research the science behind it? Uh, what, a little. A, uh, what do you have to send them? Do you saliva. have to send them like, oh, just like you, saliva? You swab it. Yeah. Or you could, you, basically some of them, like the ancestry one is you got to get a lot of saliva in a tube. Just just go down the street on like a Saturday morning. There's loads of loogies on the pavement. Just peel one off and pass it off as yourself and then just see what comes back. Just see what comes back. See, see you're like Greek Pantelis and see, see what comes back. And uh, I get Rodney Ramsey to spit in the tube. They have the name and they're like, hey, yeah, very Greek. Uh, it's right here. Like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that, that's what I'm nervous about if they're lying. But if they are, whatever, we're, we're falling for it. But I, I do think it's hilarious that now people are, it's, it's as if we needed a reason. That's how stupid people are need a reason not to be racist. Like, people are like, oh, well, since I have some of this in me, I shouldn't hate them. You shouldn't have hated them from before. Th these aren't real These aren't real barriers. These are all made up. They're not real reasons to not like someone. It's funny, like, in Scotland, there's... Scotland's incredibly homogenized. We're basically just a bunch of, like, quite unattractive white people, <laughs> for the most part. Uh, like, like the, the, the town I grew up in, there was, there was no black people in the town I grew up in. There was like some, a couple of Asian families. There was a few Asian kids in my school and there was like a, like we have a lot of Indian Pakistani in the UK from, yeah, yeah. Uh, from after when the, the, the Raj was over there. And then we have some like, uh, Middle Eastern down in London, they got like more kind of like west indian and uh sort of people from the islands and people that are like they, they progress south because obviously it, i mean literally it's because of the weather because the further north you go it's so shitty there's no so it's raining and yeah, dark there's, there's no reason to live there if you can live somewhere further south and london has a lot more opportunities in it so then the first black person i ever met i was 17 years old face to face uh but had you seen black people on tv and stuff you knew yeah, black people yeah, existed yeah, yeah, yeah. of, of oh. course we don't <laughs> we're not in the dark ages oh no I heard my mother when she first came here to Canada there was no TV at the, you know at the time yeah, yeah, it was yeah. in the 50s the first black person she saw was in Alberta and she was telling me how really she, is it still the only black person in Alberta I think it's still the same <laughs> the same family is there 
And Erin uh, was telling me, she's like, you don't know what it was like back then. She goes, like, for people like me, you're just seeing different races that they're visual, right? That you could, they're differentiated visually. She goes, it was the strangest thing. You feel like you're on another planet. She goes, it's the strangest thing for yeah. people that don't. Yeah, no, but obviously I grew up in the era of, the era of television. And yeah, so the, you knew uh, it wasn't. Yeah, of course. Um, but it, it kind of. I don't know if it was maybe the house the house that I grew up in with who my parents were or maybe it was just the experience of being in such a homogenized society but you don't really develop or I didn't develop any preconceptions as to what other races or types of people did or were there was white Scottish people and then there was everybody else and you didn't have a bad kind of um, feel, or you, nobody no. told you anything that they do something bad. The other no, ones. no, because there wasn't there wasn't a subsect of any of them in our community that, to were, do that were behaving in any way different than us. Right. Uh, and, and all of the fa- all of the families that weren't white and Scottish in Scotland were were perfectly integrated and just nice people. So there were there were like even a lot of them like second or third generation Middle Eastern, but with thick Glasgow accents. The Scottish, I mean? yeah. So exactly. Well, not basically. They were Scottish. Right. So. What that did is that the, the the worst things that ever had happened to me were normally at the hands of white Scottish men or boys or whatever. So all my prejudice was towards those people and I never had a bad thought about other kind of races because they had never impacted my life. I was I was curious, I was always interested and intrigued, but like it was it's weird because you would think that being in a homogenized society like that maybe makes you more racist because you're scared of what ha- of what's outside and you just want to keep it familiar. But for me, it was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't have a preconception as to what, uh, like, racism was such more rife in North America because it was obviously a much more multicultural society than the one that I grew up in. So, and you were learning the racism from your parents, there we from go. your grandparents. There we go. Yeah, it was institutionalized over years, but. In Scotland, all my grandparents were white and all their friends were white and Scottish people. So we didn't, we just didn't know how to, we didn't know how to hate on other people because there was no other people to hate on. But that's how you know that even the reasons that races give now are bullshit, right? Because if you take people who don't have these preconceived notions, it's not a natural thing because they say, oh, it's natural to be, look at, I I use my nephews as an example. I remember when my nephews first came here, they came from Greece and they were old, they were five, six and they started going to school in Park Extension and they started, it was Mostly Pakistani. They were my nephew is was the, the white, minority. white and blonde hair was that you could see him a block away. <laughs> okay, he never brought up their nationality, and he grew up in Greece for five. So he stayed with the same people right till he was five six years old. He never it never occurred to him nah. until later on when he was playing soccer, tennis, and that, and he's playing with different people. He's like, oh yeah, we're gonna go do this. We're gonna go to Portuguese or something. He's Portuguese. He likes this. When he started mentioning it, not in a negative way, but he started to talk about like their heritage and this and that. But as a child, and even now, right, he doesn't have that preconceived because he didn't grow up Kids in a racist environment uh. of, oh, be careful. So that's how you know that all the stuff they'll tell you is they'll try to justify it. It's natural. It's not complete bullshit. And you see it from kids and you see it from places like, like say, my mom. She didn't have a preconceived notion because they didn't exist. In Greece, she didn't see anybody. So right. when she saw the first, he wasn't the bad guy or the woman, whoever she saw, the first black person she saw. So it didn't. It's probably super her. interesting for her. Yeah, that's what it was. She's like, you know, you're thinking. But it didn't affect her in a, in a negative way to then pass it on to her kids and this and that. So that I always use stuff like that as an argument to be like, it's complete bullshit when you hear race say, oh, it's, na- it's not. It's natural to be weary of things in general that you don't know, yeah. right? But then like anything, like technology. Oh, you're a little nervous. You're grabbing your phone. How does it work? And you get accustomed and you're fine. You don't throw it out the fucking window. You know, you you learn. You're like, oh, this is a normal, th-. you know, you, you learn with it. I kind of, I agree and disagree 
with the it's not natural. I think it's natural not to hate people for other races, but just to hate other people in general. Because I, yeah. al- I always think there's always an us and always a them. Yes, but and not it has nothing to do with race. No, I think it's a very easy line to draw because it's an easy physical kind of uh, uh, difference between people. Because you see it. But uh, like even in Scotland, where we didn't have other races to hate upon, we chose religion instead. Mm. Like there was the there was where I grew up, there was the Catholics and the Protestants, and it was like you were either one or the other. So even within just white Scottish people, which is why the whole racism argument you're right doesn't exist. But we'll find a way to hate on something, no matter what. Like if if ever if everyone on the if everyone in the world eventually becomes beige because of all like we're gonna like, find other reasons. Yeah, if everyone becomes the same race ultimately because of all of the we're such a small society now with like air travel and that type of thing. Eventually, over millennia, if we were to allow the planet to survive for us to just keep mixing and mixing and mixing, eventually we're all gonna be beige. We're all gonna be like caramel colored. There's we're gonna basically get rid of all of the. The, uh, the the races eventually I'm talking about over like yeah but we'll find a reason to fight at that point when we're all the same color and we're all the same religion and we're all the same this no they'll st- we'll still find something we will find a way for it to be us oh, oh are you from that side of the water oh you're from north of the river yeah uh, we're south of the river people fuck fucking you guys northy. yeah fucking northies well Greece we went through hell uh, after the second world war during the second world war right because the Germans but right after when we had our civil war. I think the Civil War, we did worse to each other than the Germans did to us, and the Germans did terrible things to us. And brother versus brother, cousin versus cousin of communism, and it did worse. So imagine, yeah. there, you know, you, you got together, you fought the common en- enemy, which was the Nazis at the time, and then when they're done, you're like, you know what? Fuck this guy, <laughs> commie bastard. And then you did even worse. That's why it's like you said, you'll find a reason to fight. People will try to oversimplify it, like, because it's now in the media a lot and they'll put racism and that, but none of it are, are, they're not real reasons to fight. Even your political beliefs. Like I said, go back to the old ancient Greek ways, debate it, argue about it, and then go have a fucking coffee about it. Go, you know, you shouldn't kill somebody over a difference of opinion. Is, is that what they're doing back in ancient Greece? They're going for an espresso after the. Uh... In, in ancient Greece, what they would do, that's, that's why that's why they had so much free time, because they would have slaves, right? So, <laughs> but, the, but the slaves had nothing to do with race. The slaves were just like, oh, you're not from Athens, bro. <laughs> do this work so they would have more time to sit around and debate and they would argue and they would debate and then so, so d- d- just, just to be clear these are the times that you want to go back to that we just course a of second course, ago but without the slaves <laughs> <laughs> they didn't all have slaves but, you know it was different times back then but it wasn't slaves like America it was uh, so city states would fight and then they would take people and be like now you're a slave and I think the it only it's exactly like America it's no, they were chaining people up and making them work for no money that's what slavery is I think one of the things they didn't have was the right to vote, but they still, they weren't like in a, like there was a lot of slaves that would work, at, well, women that would be at the house and stuff, that they, but they'd be part of like the family. They would do stuff around the house. They weren't like in a shed. Were, were, were they there against their will? They're slaves. Yeah, you, so, you, so you, 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 can, you can say part of the family and all that back stuff. Then, they're there against back, their will, getting no money. Back they're, then, they're back, slaves. back then, you knew your role, all right, when you were conquered. And you stay. <laughs> yeah, I think they were there against their will. There's no way. Who the fuck stays a slave if you could leave? Uh, a couple of people actually. Uh, I was listening to a podcast about Harriet Tubman, and um, her uh, was it her father, I think, got f- got emancipation. He got freedom, and he said, "Fuck, I'm staying." Because his wife didn't. Like he, oh, that's he, a different he, story. He got, he got granted freedom, but Harriet Tubman's mother. I, th- I think this was it, or it could, uh, maybe it was the con- the opposite. Yeah, something like that. 
but one of them was granted freedom and the other one wasn't so he chose to stay because it's either I can be free and apart from oh that makes sense ones. to me then that then that, that that's a different story because yeah. you'd you'd make a lot of sacrifice for the people you love yeah you're willing to to take a lot right yeah so that's a different story but I'm saying if they both had their papers and they could be they're not gonna be like you know what fuck it, we're gonna stay on this farm they're gonna be like we're out of here yeah fuck that you can tell me what to do get out of here pay me yeah so so and in uh, Scotland we in Glasgow in particular we've managed to take uh, hatred to very and we're very creative interesting we're, levels yeah, very, very, very creative in that um, so we have the Protestants and the Catholics and each one of them have been assigned a soccer team a football team okay so in Glasgow there are two football teams there's the Glasgow Rangers they're the Protestant team and then there's and the Celtic. Glasgow Celtic they are the Catholic team so we've already got sports in there now because of Protestants and, and Catholicism each one of them have aligned with different parts of Ireland because of the Republic of Ireland being yep. predominantly Catholic and then in Northern Ireland, the royalist, loyalist part are being predominantly uh, kind of loyal to the Queen, henceforth Protestant. So we have uh, Irish uh, war uh, graffiti on loads of walls in different places, like IRA graffiti so and Ulster Freedom Fighter. Uh, IRL and... Yeah, so, so, so there's all these, like, there's Irish graffiti mixed in with uh, emblems of soccer teams that is designed to show hatred for another group of white Scottish people who live two blocks away. It's fucked up. Yeah, we're, we're, we're super creative. And uh, what I really, really like about it was... Um, do you know who Frankie what Boyle is? What I like is? about it. Yeah, of course. Uh, so Frankie Boyle um, had this one line, and it's, it, 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 I, I will remember this line until I die. I think it's the one... It, if you're from Glasgow in particular... Uh, it just really kind of hits home. I was I, I grew up slightly outside Glasgow, but like I lived in Glasgow for a long time, and uh, it was just after the um, seven seven attacks. So you had nine eleven in the states. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and then uh, so seventh of July, the London. Yeah, yeah, you had the London bombings. But around the same time, they had tried to coordinate a whole bunch of attacks around the UK at the same time. So what happened in Scotland? was um, Al Qaeda had like the sale of Al Qaeda. Um, apparently, Al Qaeda. Um, Paraphrasing the news. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to the news story. I'm going to yeah. assume that it wasn't just a bunch of randoms acting on their own and just trying to take advantage of a situation that could very well have been. But what they had done and what Al Qaeda took credit for was they got a Land Rover, filled it with gas canisters, um, and then one of the, the guys uh, drove it towards the, basically the front door of Glasgow Airport, set it oh. on fire. Uh, and it's like a blow up. Yeah, so basically it would blow up inside the airport. That was the it's fucked. Yeah, that was the the plan. Not realizing that gas canisters are specifically designed to not blow up. <laughs> like they're created in a way whereby if they're in a fire, they don't blow up because they're because like the they're gas canisters. Yeah. If if you put them in a combustible, easy to destroy thing, they'd be blown up all over the place. That's what I would think. Yeah. Yeah. So they purposely build them in these like vacuum sealed really thick uh heat resistant canisters so anyway so basically what ended up happening the guy that was driving the land rover the land rover went uh basically hit the stanchion of the door didn't even break through the door the guy <laughs> fell out of the land rover he's on fire because the rest <laughs> of the car's on fire and then some scottish guy went up and punched him in the face that's, <laughs> that's the most that's, scottish thing i've ever yeah. heard so that's, that's what happened and then the, the line that frankie boyle had was I have no idea what um, Al-Qaeda are thinking about bringing religious hatred to Scotland. They don't even have a football team. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, this is this is sort of like, this is the us and them that I grew up with. Was the, It wasn't ever tied to race. It wasn't ever tied to anything else. It was a case of if you happen to worship Christ in a slightly different way than we worship Christ, not even a different God, 
no, same no, God. Different way. Same God. But you guys work, do it this way and we do it like this. It's <laughs> like, like crazy. It's, it's even basis of a it's basis of like a joke. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, but women they do it this way, men do it this way. It's like, oh, you write with your left hand. Yeah, oh. all right, you fucking alien. <laughs> you, yeah, but that's that's what it would be like. We would if that was if that's what it took for to create us and them would be like fucking lefties. Go over to left hand side of town, you bunch of lefties. Yeah, so uh, I don't like I, like I, I just just sort of like tying everything together. Like I I, I find it increasingly difficult to even engage in dialogue at the moment just because even if i had the right opinion someone would f- in my in my head i had the right opinion because it's an opinion it's subjective yep. which means someone can fight find fault in it of course yep. and there are so few ultimate truths out there to kind of talk about so this is this is what i do on stage now this is the, the way i write jokes is i tell stories about me because who's gonna yeah. come at you for that? Yeah. I don't tell. I don't have a viewpoint on the news. I don't look at current events anymore. Like I, tr- I went through a phase of trying to sort of like write jokes here and there about that. Especially if I was like hosting more regularly, I, tr- I try and like, like thread in. Oh, what happened today and what happened yesterday? And it's just it's too much of a minefield, whereby uh, and uh, I, I'd rather I'd rather tell people what I ate for lunch. And make and, it funny. And try and make that funny than uh, have an opinion about the social uh, catastrophic climactic yeah. uh, things that are happening almost on a hourly basis. If you open your, I don't know, p- pick a news network, they're all they're all the same. Similar anyway, all the same uh, f- for one side or another. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, so if I do a podcast, it has to be something that's very like like even even this just now. I think I've, I think I, I think in my, the, the the pilot episodes of the podcast that we tried to 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 make similar topics came up. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that this stuff comes up. Well, I feel like on a positive note, at least to end this on a positive note, um, we've given very many examples of why we're stupid as people, and we'll let anything separate us. So don't. That's yeah. my message, people: is don't let the dumb things uh, block you off other humans. Yeah. Don't get. Don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, and and uh, we got and bigger problems like that alien invasion that's coming soon. Oh, could you imagine? That's the what's the one thing like it's the that's one thing say. that's going to unite us. Well, they say that they were planning on faking an invasion so that people could come <laughs> together, <laughs> which it, is kind of smart in one way. But then yeah. imagine finding out that is bullshit. But then that would you unite us against everything. whoever did it. Yeah, us <laughs> and them. Us yeah. and them again. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, where are you going to be next? By the way, where uh, I want you to plug. What are you um, up to? So I've got, I think the next couple of shows I've got are fundraiser type shows. With uh, uh, Frankel? No, no. Um, there's one for an education fund for uh, uh, high school. Okay, that's important. I can't even remember what the name of the high school is. I was, I was, I put a whole bunch of publications around my work about it today. And all I have in the, on my brain is uh, Rangers and Celtic Graffiti. That's funny. That I had when I was uh, I saw when I was growing up. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of fundraisers, and then um, there's a new loft show starting on the twentieth of April. Where at? Uh, a new space. I think it's a dance studio okay. on St Catherine. So it's on St Catherine. Yeah, it's the inaugural uh, show on April twentieth, and it was uh, Nick. I'm gonna butcher his last name, but like Crywicky. Crywicky. Do I know him? I don't think I know him. He does the he does a lot of student shows around town. 
So April 20th will be there. Like, I don't know when you put this out, so maybe the, the fundraisers, which are happening kind of soon, uh, are going to be been and gone. This will be out on uh, Wednesday next week. Okay. I'll so be out of town, but we'll, I'll post them. Yeah, so that will be done. Um, I'm hosting a fundraiser for uh, Ozzy Eliashev, like uh, Joey's. Oh, uh, the school? The yeah. yeah, I've done that twice. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so I've got that one uh, coming up as well. And then... Uh, I'm back at the nest again in about a month hosting I don't even know who I'm hosting for that weekend but I'll be hosting on the 10th 11th and 12th he's uh, April May oh they're normally strong you're gonna whoever well it's always strong every week it's always strong uh, I've never seen a week uh, weekend yeah and then and then who knows where else I might pick up some what's uh, your preferred uh, social media platform for people to follow you and such uh, I, d- I d- fo- like the thing I, I write the most things on, people can find out in my shows, definitely on Facebook. Uh, yeah. I do have a Twitter handle that I do. Uh, I, I, I retweet a lot of things. <laughs> you endorse a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have an Instagram account, I think. I think the last photo that I posted on Instagram, uh, this is before stories even existed, was about two and a half years ago. From You're like Bill Burr. He has an Instagram account, hasn't used it in fucking four yeah. years. Yeah, it was two years ago from when we were down in Costa Rica doing the Comedy Abroad oh, tour. Because yeah, yeah. uh, those are like... Some of the, the sunsets there are pretty spectacular. Uh, so it was kind of nice to make people feel shit because it was during winter time <laughs> in Quebec. Um, so yeah, definitely Facebook. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, but please don't. It's not worth your while. Um, uh, and then, yeah, also Twitter. And my address is <laughs> 111. P.O. Box. <laughs> yeah. Darren, thanks for coming on. Thanks. Uh, this was a laugh a minute, by the way. What a comedy podcast is. Yeah, I don't know if it's a comedy podcast. It's just, I, I just like to interview people that I find interesting. That's it. That's cool. all I tell people. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.